Hey, hey, it's GMAC for the start on demand. On behalf of Loren McNabb and a vacationing Brett McGarry, we had a jam-packed show for you on this Tuesday. Loren thought it was Wednesday for a good chunk of the show, but Tuesday means breakfast with the Bombers. We had Dalton Schoen join us on the program. Pretty good appearance for his first time, the rookie showing up for breakfast with the Bombers as he's been doing on the field all season. We talked about travel. We discussed the passing of Olivia Newton-John and her inspiration of our Having Coffee Talking segment and your stories about your favorite musical movies. An inspirational conversation with author Wade Davison remembering his little brother Todd. A hockey story, a survival story, and an inspirational story. That and much else on this edition of the Start On Demand. Don't go anywhere. Here we go. Mackling the McNabb in for your Tuesday. Brett is away this week and just one of the many reasons why we miss him. Greg, are you there? I think I'm here. I haven't (laughs) sat in this seat for probably three years since we first moved into this building, so it's been a while. So I thought I had everything all set up, but uh, here we are. We're all ready and set to go. More musical chairs, McNabb. More musical chairs, and you know we just listened to that newscast there talking about great music of Olivia Newton-John, who passed away at the age of 73 yesterday. I have to say I was shocked by that. 73 still seems so young, and it is so young, and also just the impact she had on the music world had, uh, I think, you singing this morning, did it not? A hundred percent it did. Listen, I am of a certain age, McNabb, and, uh, you know, before there was Crocodile Dundee from Australia, there was Olivia Newton-John, and I can honestly say she was one of my very first crushes, uh, celebrity crush for sure, and uh, Greece was a big part of uh, my life growing up. My mom and my dad absolutely loved that soundtrack and that movie, saw that movie multiple times. And I have to be honest, uh, one of the things that I loved most about that movie was Olivia Newton-John. Not only her talent, her singing, her dancing, she was just so pretty. She was wonderful. And so uh, when I heard yesterday that she had passed away, it was uh, very, very sad news to hear. However, we know that she had been battling cancer, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think multiple times and over the past decade. So our our hearts, our thoughts uh, go out uh, to her family and those that loved her. Lots of fans, millions of fans around the world, and we're going to celebrate her memory a little bit later uh, in the hour. Yeah, at 6.45, we want to hear about your favorite movie musicals, because that's really, you know, one of the standouts, Grease. It probably would be listed in the top 10, if not the number one, for many people of movies where the music played and you didn't care if you were singing your whole way through the theater. So we're going to talk your favorite movie musicals. You mentioned, Greg, that you and I are playing a bit of musical chairs. Uh, some personal stuff has me asking to work in a different location today. So here we are, and you're in the chair. And uh, kudos to our team for always scrambling to work around one another. But uh, that's what we do, and we try to keep track of things that are going on in the world. And man, when it comes to what was going on south of the border, it's hard to not Turn your eyes towards what was going down on Trump's estate in Florida yesterday. No question about it. I was on the golf course yesterday. Shout out to everyone at the St. Boniface Hospital Foundation, all the incredible individuals and and businesses uh, who stepped up as sponsors and participants yesterday's Cardiac Classic. We raised over $100,000 yesterday at Niaqua Golf and Country Club. It was a fantastic day. But as as I was leaving the golf course and and, uh, heading towards my vehicle, my phone rang and one of my buddies called me and said, have you seen what's going on in Florida right now? I said, no, I'm just getting off the golf course. Fill me in. And he tells me that the FBI has raided Mar-a-Lago in Florida, where Donald Trump lives. Uh, Most of the time he wasn't there, but the FBI looking for some documents that it has been asking for. Several organizations have been asking for for months and months and uh, here we are, and, it, and uh, to no one's surprise, Loren, Donald Trump uh, firing back very quickly, uh, disparaging and putting down the FBI and, and this operation yesterday evening. Yeah, quite frankly, he was the one that basically came out with a statement saying his home was under siege, that uh, he basically was furious that this would happen. A lot of people came out in support of him in terms of the people who have been in support of him for a while saying this is egregious and unnecessary. And so what some of the big questions this morning, and we're going to visit with our Washington correspondent, Reggie Chikini at 
835. One of the big questions is, do they have anything? Did they find anything? And uh, according to his supporters, if they didn't, my God, did you overstep yourself would be the question, because this is really unprecedented to see the home of a former president be raided in this way. And so Trump, understandably, uh, not happy, uh, but there might be more to this based on what they might come up with. And if I'm uh, not incorrect in uh, stating this, I believe it's on the anniversary of Richard Nixon leaving office uh, back in 1973. So uh, just uh, a little bit of happenstance, a little coincidence there. You mentioned the fact that travel uh, and and being on the highway and, and that you're out of town, Loren, and the idea of highway conditions have been front and center for me over the last couple of weeks on my road trip to the United States and back uh, out to California. And, and of course, we often compare the conditions, rightfully or wrongfully, of the interstates in the United States versus what we deal with here in Canada. But... Um, Our colleagues at the Winnipeg Free Press uh, this morning talking about concerns about a certain stretch of Highway Number 1. Well, the Manitoba Trucking Association, and we're working to bring them on this morning, but they've made calls in the past for improvements on various stretches of roads, and they're putting the spotlight again on that section uh, between Falcon Lake and the Ontario Ontario border. There's just less than 20 kilometres there. And on the other side of the Ontario border, Improvements are being made to twin that highway. There, There's work underway as we speak, construction, to make sure that it's twinned all the way to Kenora to keep it as safe as possible because traffic volume on that, not just with truckers, but with cottagers and all the rest, is, is way up over the years. So they're calling on that stretch to be twinned. At 637, we're going to get more into what they're asking for and why, but also just the idea, Greg. I mean, fine, let's not compare it to the states if we don't want to. I think we can compare it to what other provinces do. It's the stretch that runs coast to coast. How is the Trans-Canada in Ontario versus Manitoba versus Saskatchewan? And I think the one thing that the Manitoba side lacks is consistency. There's lights. There's varying speed limits. There's stops. There's turns. There's Sometimes there's interchanges. Sometimes there's unsafe stretches that have, you know, kind of secret or hidden roads. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of consistency there. And that is one beef that I think many drivers have. We thought there's no way we can go the entire morning without paying tribute to Olivia Newton-John, who lost her battle with cancer yesterday, passing away at the age of 73. Loren, Olivia Newton-John, an impact for you, yes? Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's one of my first memories. If you if you take Disney out of the equation, which has songs in, in all of their movies for young kids, or most of them, to me, Greece is one of the very first where you just sat there and thought, I could watch this group all day long sing, you know? Like, that's one of the rare moments where you didn't want the dialogue. Sometimes in musicals, the dialogue is key and you need it. And for that one, it's like, yeah, let's just cue the music and let these folks sing together. And she radiated kindness and joy and beauty. And so I think she was just a standout in that film and many others. Well, uh, let's go around the horn here and uh, find out uh, the favorite musical movies of uh, those in our inner circle here. And let's start with Kelly Moore. Good morning, Kelly. Hey, it is great to be back. And I uh, echo everything that uh, Nabber just said there. uh, As soon as I heard the news, the first thing I was working away on another project here, and I fired up the laptop, played Let Me Be There. Uh, If you love me, let me know. And uh, if not for you, uh, because, of course, those were the first three North American hits uh, for OMJ. Uh, it, they take me back to my teenage years, so <laughs> that's uh, how she's been around. But as far as my favorite musical is concerned, oh, I'll tell you, it should have won award after award in 1980. Jake and Elwood singing in that Chicago bar. In the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers, an outstanding... Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have put it in the musical category, but it clearly is. Oh, for sure it is. I mean, <laughs> anybody who uh, watched that movie back then, uh, uh, GMAC, they were always humming tunes from the Blues Brothers. Uh, and, of course, uh, that, uh, that great catchphrase, we're on a mission from God. I love it. Kelly Moore with the Blues Brothers. Now, Jeff Braun, did you send us uh, uh, some audio here, my friend? I did send a short clip, and it's uh, from... uh, I'm not really a musical guy, and it's only in the last few years I've actually 
seen any musicals that I really enjoyed. So I am, I think I'm coming around on them. And this, this past Christmas, uh, Steven Spielberg knocked it out of the park with uh, one of his many masterpieces. It's a West Side Story. Tonight, tonight, the world is wild and bright, going mad, shooting sparks into space. Now you can see Kelly or I picking that one because it's Jets versus Sharks. Exactly, a Winnipeg versus San Jose on the big screen. How could you, how could you not? And it was brand new to me too, because I'd never seen the original. I'd never seen any stage production, uh, Broadway, local or otherwise. So uh, I, I was really swept up by it. I, you know, I didn't know the songs. I didn't know the story. And uh, Spielberg just cooks in this one. It, everyone was asking him when it came out. I was like, well, why did it take you this long to make a musical? Because you're really good at it. It's a, you know, these things are lavish and have big choreography and he just gets a chance to show off and he knows what he's doing behind the camera. So uh, it, it bombed at the box office for reasons I'll never understand. It is available on Disney plus and uh, highly recommend the West side story. All right. I'm going to crank it up and watch that uh, out in the gazebo uh, maybe uh, tonight or tomorrow night. Thanks for the recommendation. Coach potato, Loren McNabb. Uh, you have two picks. I've here. cheated. I have cheated this morning. I know that's not fair because there's what to else is new, <laughs> but here's the thing. Obviously, Obviously, you guys know I like to sing. I'll sing to anything, even if I don't know the words. I love seeing musicals in person. The joy that they bring is tremendous. But I struggle because I'm going to play what was my original choice, because if this comes up on TV, I will watch it through all the commercials. I'll force the kids to try to watch it. They are not into it, but I love this musical. How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you catch a It's old school. And I love it. So, of course, this is Sound of Music. Were you singing along there? I wish I could. A (laughs) flippity gibbet, a willow and wisp, a clown. I don't even know if I know the words right to that one. So, like I said, up until a few years ago, this would have rivaled most musicals for me. But then Hollywood went out and did this. Oh, yeah, that's good. Pitch perfect. <laughs> Ten years ago, they came out wow. with this. They could do 20 of these, and they could be cheesy as all heck, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't care. I'd say, get, give me a mashup, get on stage, Anna Kendrick, and do your thing. Yeah, Anna Kendrick is uh, absolutely wonderful in those movies, and it's tough to to bypass them when you catch them flipping channels. What about you, Forts? Well, Loren knows I screwed up the sound of music uh I said, hey, a deer, a female deer. Yeah, he was singing along with me. We were going to point that out, uh, Jeff. a deer, a female deer. It's like, it's not hey, buddy. That's just things you see out your window while you drive down the highway. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to go back as well to uh, 1971 with a... uh... I never thought my life could be anything but catastrophe. But suddenly I begin to see a bit of good luck for me. So Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I oh, thought that's what that was. Gene Wilder. Yeah. yeah. It just uh, brings you back, bringing the Roald Dole book. It's a great book. Uh, Gene Wilder without Richard Pryor, not as entertaining, but that is a, a great film and one of the great children's books of all time. They haven't flown to these sunny destinations in two long years, but now WestJet is bringing 17 sunroots back to its network this winter. So on that list, and these are, aren't are all direct from Winnipeg, but some of them are. Orlando, Cuba, Vegas, Phoenix, Belize, they're all back on the table starting this fall, most returning in November. And, you know, at face value, it all sounds like good news for industry and travelers. But my first thought, Greg, was, hang on, you know, wasn't it just a few weeks ago that airlines were scaling back their schedules, particularly in Canada, because they couldn't keep up with the demand. They didn't have the staff. They didn't have the ability to get travelers to their top destinations without major aches and pains. Marty Firestone is a travel expert and president at Travel Secure. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm well, but I am curious before we get to this fall schedule. I mean, how are things with airline travel, particularly in this country right now? Has there been a catch up? Are we returning to normal? They are getting somewhat better, no doubt. But when you read this about 17 destinations that they're going to be returning to, it's scary. It's very scary because the infrastructure still and probably by wintertime will not be ready to accommodate this. And the problem there is if you only have a seven day trip and you get delayed even a few hours, yet alone a few days, there goes your trip. So there's big concern right now. Will we be ready to handle this when it's all ready to take off. And Marty, one of the big concerns, one of the big issues for a lot of folks has been checked luggage. Now, I know when you're going to a sun destination, you maybe don't need all that much clothing, but uh, I don't know if my wife could get away with just a carry-on for seven days or 14 days in Mexico. That's got to be a big issue and a big concern for folks pondering booking these trips in my mind. You've got a good point there, and and for sure it is. And I'll tell you one thing. Even if everybody were all to go carry-on, ultimately there's not enough room in those overhead bins for carry-on. So you'd be putting your carry-on under the plane and be in the same spot if you took regular luggage. So I'm not so sure that's going to be the answer anymore. You know, Marty, I had actually family members pre-pandemic on a trip to Mexico lose a day and a half because of some sort of issue on the departing flight. So as you point out, on a seven-day vacation, losing a day and a half is a good chunk of time. There was no compensation for that then. Have things at least changed now so that if we have those delays on those all-inclusive packages that you can be compensated? Because that's another part of the equation. Well, fix this for me. Pay me back if I don't get my vacation as planned. It's even worse than that because, of course, the passenger rights bill that supposedly is to give you anywhere from $400 to $1,000 based on the amount of time you're delayed at the arriving destination, they're not even paying that now. They're claiming that has to do with safety issues as opposed to anything that the airline was responsible for. Therefore, they are being able to find a loophole and not have to pay. So I think consumer confidence right now is at an all-time low with respect to ever thinking they're going to get monies back, whether it be through the airline, through insurance companies. It's really a big concern for people traveling now, and they're going to take a second thought before they make those travel plans. Marty, we've got to let you run here, but just I want to get your view on this really quick, if we may. Uh, Just this idea of people know that they're going to get subpar service, or at least there's a very good chance of it. And I know when I patronize a place and I get lousy service, the likelihood of me returning is diminished substantially. So why is it that we are putting ourselves through this? Well, people still want to travel more than ever, and they're accepting things they never did before. They're accepting higher prices. They're accepting service issues that they never did. But at some point, they're going to say, this is not a pleasurable experience anymore, and I'm going to take a pass until they get their act together. And unfortunately, I think that's the way it's going to be for the next little while. Marty, we always appreciate your time and the access. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm sure it's not the last time we'll be speaking this summer. Thank you for having me. Take care. Marty Firestone, travel expert and president at Travel Secure. And Loren... Uh, you make a great point there, Greg. You keep coming back to the trough. And sure. then you, you, you ask, why doesn't this taste right? Mother, may I have another? Glutton for punishment. Maybe we've been you know, held back for too long. You want it, but you want to see those improvements, which is why I would then say to his point, if you are expanding your schedule, you better be ready. Your musical movies, and what does Andy share with us? Well, this, is, of course, is in honor of the passing of Olivia Newton-John. And Andy says, in the summer of 78, my brother worked as a ticket taker at the Capitol Theater downtown. I was 10 back then. Grease was playing. Whenever he was working, he'd bring me along, and I was able to catch Grease for free. I'm sure I saw it at least 40 times that summer and knew every lyric by heart. I never realized how risque much of the dialogue was until I became an adult. I still watch it once or twice a year and still know most of the lyrics. The leather outfit Olivia Newton-John wore near the end of the movie will stay with me forever. I think I'll watch Grease tonight. Cheers, Andy. And he, Andy makes a great point there about the lyrics, uh, Greg. There's a song that I asked Fortune to play a couple weeks ago, and he's like, uh, I can't play that on radio. Have you not? <laughs> Grease and I Googled, Lightning? Yes, and I Googled the words, and I, my Lord, I did not know that's what they were saying 30, 40 years ago. Uh, Fortune, I don't think we have time to, to run this section right now, do we? How much time have we got? 
Yeah, we got a minute. Do it. Okay, minute. let's do it real quick. So for my favorite musical movie, it's a film that co-inspired the Golden Raspberry Awards, which are given for a failure in cinematic achievements. One would assume this pic- picture had absolutely no redeeming value. This from The Hollywood Reporter, who says that it wasn't hard for me to choose. Well, that was from The Hollywood Reporter. That wasn't hard for me to choose this. case the name of the film is lost in translation the movie is xanadu it's from 1980 and loren i confess it's not really my favorite musical movie but it should have been roller skating elo collaboration with olivia newton john gene kelly's last ever silver screen performance and oh yeah andy gibb the song is very strong not certain there's any auto-tune involved there, but I had to find a way to get that in this morning. I love the pick. I love the image of the roller skates. Do not have a hot clue what you're talking about, but I, I like the image you're presenting this morning. I will send you the video. <laughs> It's time for Breakfast with the Bombers. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers return home following a 3 consecutive road game, massive road trip crisscrossing the country as they look to equal a club record 10-0 and start, Loren, which dates back to 1960. That team ultimately went 14-2. and We won't discuss who won the Grey Cup that season. The Blue Bombers have won 22 of their previous 23 home games. Darren Cameron, Senior Director of Public and Player Relations with the Blue Bombers, tweeted last evening that they sold 1,200 tickets for yes, or Thursday's game yesterday alone. And Loren, I can tell you there is a lot of excitement swirling around this team and this week's game. Which is why we're so excited to, in a moment, bring on our guest this morning for our breakfast with the Bombers because he continues to open eyes in his rookie CFL season. Second and 10. Kalaris looking left. Gunning slant rope. Shown touchdown. As quick as can be, Dalton Schoen is in the end zone and the Bombers are in the lead. Yeah, so the Kansas State product, he scored the seventh TD in last week's win over Montreal. He has 37 receptions for 641 yards. That's just in the first half of the season, and six of his seven touchdowns have come in the last five games. So we want to say good morning to Dalton Schoen. Good morning, Dalton. Good morning. How's it going? We're great. We have a couple non-football-related questions we'll get to in a moment, but let's just start off with football itself and the game. I'm curious, what did you know about Winnipeg? or even the Blue Bombers before you signed with the club here? Um, I didn't know a whole lot um, until, you know, kind of the whole conversations began with my agent um, and some other people about the CFL. So then obviously I had to do my research and, you know, learned a lot about Winnipeg just from that. You know, saw how successful the Bombers have been the last couple of years, um, saw how passionate the fan base was. And so, you know, that kind of was my initial impression of the city. Dalton, it's Greg Mackling here. We mentioned Kansas State, and uh, my sister-in-law is a graduate of KU. Don't hold that against me. But my kids will say the good Kansas football players play for the Cougars, not the Jayhawks. And I I, I think uh, history would dictate and and prove that out. You were a first-team academic, uh, all Big 12 from 2017 to 19. And you were a walk-on in college. For those unfamiliar, what does that terminology mean? Uh, so basically what that means is I I didn't get a scholarship offer coming out of high school. So, you know, Kansas State, they, they wanted me, but they, I wasn't good enough to be in their uh, recruiting class of players that they were super high on. So basically I had to pay my own way for school and then also had a spot on the team. And, you know, honestly, kind of what that dictates to what you get there is those scholarship guys, quote unquote, are going to get way more opportunities because those are the, the guys the coaches really thought a lot more of bringing them into school. And so, you know, they want their reputation as coaches to look good. So they're going to give those scholarship players a lot more opportunities before you ever get one. I've I've seen the walk-on experience play out in movies, but obviously never done it in person, Dalton. I'm just curious, as you head out onto the field, how different is that from, you know, a regular tryout or, rather, or other experiences that you had? Are the nerves solely different? Um, I think there's always going to be those nerves, um, especially when you're going from a high school player to a Division One uh, program, no matter who you are. And then for me, you know, I grew up a huge K-State fan, so it was like a dream come true to be there. 
Um, so coming in as a walk-on, yeah, there's definitely a lot of nerves, but a lot of excitement too. Um, and honestly, it was it was my dream come true just to be in the room, to be in the facility with those guys. Well, we're happy that you're here in Winnipeg. You're lighting things up. So now we're going to subject you to uh, one of the traditions on this segment, Breakfast with the Bombers. It's not about your favorite breakfast, Dalton, but we want to know about sandwiches. Have you got a favorite go-to sandwich? Oh, man. Um, if I was at, like, uh, Subway or something, I'd probably just go with, like, a, a chicken bacon ranch, um, put a little bit of lettuce on there, maybe a little bit of barbecue sauce, and that's probably about it. Where are the green peppers, the pickles, the cucumbers, man? No, that's that's not me. That's that's too much uh, too much going on. I like <laughs> to keep it pretty pretty simple and straightforward. I think we'd get along just fine, Loren. Well, we were t- we were talking musicals this morning. I'm curious, are you at all a fan of musicals or movie musicals, Dalton? Uh, yeah, I actually am. Um, I was I actually was fortunate to be in New York City this past spring and uh, saw a handful of musical shows on Broadway. Any anyone stand out? Can you remember any of them? Uh, yeah, there's a few really good ones. You know, I saw a super popular one, Hamilton, which mm-hmm. was just incredible to see on Broadway. Um, and then probably my favorite one there, though, I saw The Music Man, which is starring Hugh Jackman. Yes. Um, just phenomenal performance by him. So, yeah, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool show. Well, Dalton, I would say you passed with flying colors. Uh, you, you know, being a walk-on on the on Breakfast with the Bombers here uh, will give you uh, a free pass and and uh, maybe even dig up a scholarship for you of some sort uh, if you'd like to come back and visit us again sometime. I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys made it easy. All right, on. Well, yeah, good luck on Thursday night, and uh, I won't uh, I won't uh, say anything else about what comes after Thursday night because uh, we're on strict orders from the coach not to use that seven-letter le- uh, word. So, Dalton, uh, great to meet you, and uh, continued success in your rookie CFL season. Your your impact is uh, got fans very very excited. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm having a blast. So. Get to the stadium, IG Field, see the Blue Bombers. Dalton Schoen in uh, all his uh, absolute talent. He is really bringing it, uh, Loren. Yeah, he's going to be a name that I think fans this year really hang their hats on. I I really suspect you'll see Schoen jerseys in the stands, more of his number, and also just more of that becoming one of those fan favorites. It's nice to have the rookie on the field and bring a bit of that excitement. But I also think it's great in this team that's had so much of its core nucleus Greg, we've talked about for a few years now yep. to have a have an addition, have a bit of that change, and that's sometimes the spark that makes all the difference when they're out there. Yeah, it's really a, a, a testimony to the Blue Bombers, Danny McManus and, and his crew that go out and they find these uh, players that are relatively, you know, unknown. Dalton spent six days with the Kansas City Chiefs, his home state NFL team, but uh, this is a guy that the Blue Bombers went out after, and we can we can see why. So let's pack the park for the blue and gold as they go for 10 and 0 Thursday night. It's hard to believe we're closing in on six months, the six month mark of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, when you say it like that, Greg, it's hard to think back that it was February 24th that marked the start of the war with really no end in sight six months later. And it's one of many deeply concerning issues. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie will be talking about as she meets with various groups in Winnipeg today. And she joins us this morning. Good morning, Minister. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm okay. I'm good, thank you. And, you know, we do want to just start with what's going on in that region. Mm -hmm. We know that an announcement was made last week about Canadian troops working to train Ukrainian civilians, or sorry, Canadian troops working to train Ukrainian civilians. Mm -hmm. Is that underway now, or are are the troops in that region or even on the ground there? So what we announced um, two days ago is that we would be resuming Operation Unifier, uh, which was this very important mission training Ukrainian forces, like you were saying. And that mission started in 2014 and ended just before uh, the war started. And now we're resuming it through the UK. Um, And so we will continue to train Ukrainian forces. And also we'll be working with the United Kingdom on this. Why was there a pause in that program, Minister Jolie? I'm sorry? Was there a pause in that program and why so? Um, what happened is when the war started, 
um, we made sure that uh, our uh, forces would be outside of the country, like all other forces, the American ones, the UK ones, etc. And so we wanted, meanwhile, to continue to support Ukrainians. And so uh, our um, armed forces were stationed out of Poland. And now we're working also with the UK on resuming Operation Unifier. That's what the Minister of Defense announced uh, a couple of days ago. So we want to get into what you're doing here in a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. But I first want to just talk about the idea. When when you're meeting with people, of course, you know that trust is a huge issue. And so you're aware that you've taken some heat in the past week or so about what you did or did not know in the lead up to this war. There was, of course, that story in the Globe and Mail. And just for our listeners who are just tuning in, there were sources that said Canadian diplomats in Ukraine were told not to tell local staff about the looming invasion, that there was intelligence. Russia might even target some of these staff. You've since said you would welcome an investigation into what Mm -hmm. Ottawa did or did not know. But at the end of the day, you're one of the people at the top. So Canadians might struggle to believe you weren't aware of what was going on and, and maybe even struggle to trust policy coming from your office right now. What do you say to that? Well, first and foremost, I must say that um, we've been extremely preoccupied with the information coming out of the Global Mail. And so based on that, um, we made sure uh, to look into the issue. The government of Canada and not only global affairs, but all departments had no information regarding the targeting of our staff. And I made sure also to do the follow-ups with our allies. And so since I want to make sure the Canadians know that we have our people's back. I'm willing to get down to the bottom of the story and call the committee that is in charge of looking into intelligence, the committee that is called the National Committee on Security and Intelligence of Parliamentarians, and I'm willing to cooperate completely because at the end of the day, this is a life or death decision that, of course, I would have made Made, made sure that our uh, Canadian staff and locally engaged staff would be well protected. I must say also that in the context of this war, because we had intelligence telling us that the invasion would be starting, and because I've been to Ukraine a couple of times, I met with the locally engaged staff, and I made sure that they would be offered an immigration pathway to come to Canada. Some of them came to Canada, some decided to stay. And also that meanwhile, even if... The embassy was closed for some time. We decided to continue to pay our locally engaged staff to offer them benefits because obviously this was the right thing to do in the circumstance. So now you're in Winnipeg. You've got a various series of meetings with different groups throughout the city and, mm-hmm. and in province. Yeah. And you're going across the country. There's no announcements to this. So is there some sort of strategy here about about why you're trying to get to different parts of the can- Canada right now to explain what might be going on with foreign policy? Yes, well, you know, you, you asked me many important questions regarding foreign policy, but usually foreign policy is very far from people's lives. But trust me, this summer, we all feel it. It's, it's, it's more closer to home than ever for the different reasons, including the fact that there is inflation, gas pump prices are high. We know also that grocery bills uh, are, are, are very costly right now. So based on that, it was my goal to come to meet Canadians and explain the impact of Russia's war in Ukraine to them, to hear their anxiety, their sometimes frustration, but also be in solution mode and find ways. So today I'm meeting with the Manitoba Board of Trade, meeting with key uh, CEOs to understand the impacts on Manitoba's economy. But also I met with the Filipino community. I went to Folklorama yesterday, went to the Punjabi uh, Pavilion uh, to meet different key communities as we're working also on something else, which is called the Indo-Pacific strategy, to know how we can assert Canada's role in the region and assert ourselves as a Pacific nation as well. Minister Jolie, thank you for your time and uh, welcome to Manitoba. And uh, it's great to know that you're here to, to listen because far too many pol- politicians are here to speak to people. Uh, I think uh, listening right now is, is a critical part of the equation. We appreciate your time. I agree. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Lauren. And thank you for hosting me. Have a great day. Hey, uh, Loren, on this program and on CJOB overall, I, I should probably say, we relish in the opportunity to celebrate Manitobans doing special things. This morning, we want to introduce you to a Manitoba entrepreneur who is looking to take her business 
to the next level. So our friends over at North Forge Technology Exchange, they've created this Indigenous Woman Founder Business Award. And our guest is the first ever recipient of this award. We say good morning to Ivy Shadling. Good morning, Ivy. Good morning. <laughs> well, huge congratulations to you on this honor. And we need to learn more. Tell us about your startup, Found It. Oh, wow. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I always listen to you guys. This is one of my favorite stations, so this is awesome. Um, so Found It is a Bluetooth tracking app that uh, tracks and locates uh, just obviously different Bluetooth items, but specifically focusing on Bluetooth hearing aids. Um, I have a disability, so it was really important for me to really target the disability market, make it more mainstream, make it more inclusive, and, you know, just kind of get rid of the stigma. Well, uh, Ivy, I can tell you this as a dad, hearing aids are not inexpensive uh, for those that have them and have had to purchase them either for themselves or for their loved ones. They cost thousands of dollars. And I can see the value of this as one of my boys actually has hearing aids. And at the moment, it is a hearing aid singular because one is missing. So tell us how that works in terms of uh, helping keep track of these very expensive and for those that have them very necessary items in their life. Wow, it sounds like he could really benefit from mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, okay, so the way it works is, so you know how you would connect like AirPods or a wireless speaker to your phone like with Bluetooth? Same kind of idea with Soundit. It works by using Bluetooth technology. Um, so you would like start a scan, uh, the item would pop up on a list of nearby Bluetooth locations. You'd register the device, it's just buttons, and then uh, there you go. And then you have a map that pops and shows like the current location of the item, where you've been. Um, and also, the way I wanted to make it disability inclusive was I wanted to add push notifications and audio alerts and a customizable notification range. So during COVID, um, a friend of mine, they had to start taking care of their 95-year-old grandma with dementia, and she actually took off while one of them was in the bathroom. So that's how the inspiration kind of happened, because they couldn't find her, and the police couldn't find her, and a good Samaritan ended up calling, and that's how they found her, and it was like the hottest day of summer. So I thought, oh my God, if this was winter, she would have died. So in my mind, I thought, well, by having this push notification and customizable range, you can get an audio alert saying you're now leaving your customized range. Do you wish to continue? And then it'll pop up, you know, like an alert and a map. And if they had it, they could have found their grandma like so quick. Wow. Here I was listening, thinking it would help find the lost hearing aid, but it has this dual purpose here to help caretakers, you know, in your words, be less stressed, right? To help find that loved one. So you're doing tremendous things for all sides of this equation, Ivory. I'm curious, you know, you're, you're, you've also talked about your ultimate goal being to help First Nations in our province. So what's next for Found It? And how would, how would you like to do that when it comes to also working with First Nations communities? Um, well, I'm me too, right? So my spirit name is Dan Strong White Bear Woman. So helping the community is really, really important to me. So my overall goal is to create local jobs in the community. And with the money from Founded, I would like to bring fresh water back to the reserves. Oh, Ivy, you're inspiring us. I knew you would. I had a sense when I read this, when I got it from our good friend, Joelle Foster over at North Forge. I'm so glad that you've created this app and that uh, this is uh, the next step is on the horizon. So you're launching across Canada and North America coming up in September? Yeah, next month. Uh, it's going to be an international launch for uh, exactly Canada and the States. Well, we'll be watching for that. And uh, will you come back and join us maybe later in September and we'll find out how things are going for you? Absolutely. I would love to. Ivy Chatelaine, thank you for this. Congratulations. Amazing. Amazing is the perfect word, McNabb. I just, when you hear people come up with these kind of ideas, sometimes the first response was, my gosh, why wasn't this done before? This is genius. But someone has to not just think of it, Greg, but then execute it. And to execute it with success is awesome 
a wholly different level. So kudos to her. Yeah, and that is where North Forge Technology Exchange really comes in and allows you, you know, a forum, a place to come and say, I have this idea. How do I implement it? How do I create it? Those those facilities and those resources are now available for people with great ideas, but maybe not the know-how on how to create them. It's a wonderful uh, resource in our community for entrepreneurs and those who are, who are trying to you know, create something special, something useful, something that just simply hasn't been done before. Just have enough time to read our winner. We heard this text message earlier, but it came down quite literally to a coin flip, McNabb. Will you read our winning text? Yeah, I did this with Brett last week while you were away and I recorded the flip just because I felt someone was going to question my decision-making process. And so I know that you flipped it. And Suzanne says, I want to tell you a story about musical movies. Once our boys were older teenagers, we started seeing a movie on Christmas Day every year. One year, the boys had partners and us women were tired of sci-fi and action movies. So we booked the movie musical Les Miserables. The men did not know it was a musical. And we told them it was about, you know, the French war and a captured man, which it is. They were very happy with our choice until the singing started. After the whole movie, they loved it. So they managed to enjoy their first musical. Congratulations, Suzanne. You are our winner today. This segment might be tough on a few of us. However, I guarantee by the end of it, it will inspire you. Yeah, when I saw that this was on the schedule this morning, I I wanted to take a look more in terms of who we were bringing on because you had booked this guest while I was away. And I took a look at this book we're about to talk about and this person we're about to speak about. And I wasn't familiar with the story. And all I could think about was, wow, I have brothers and sisters who I love. I have friends who I love. So many people go through personal journeys of triumphs and struggles and health crisis And it's a story I think we can all relate to today, no matter where we're at in life. So here's a little bit of the formal background is written uh, by our next guest or someone close to him in the early 2016 year old Todd Davison and his older brother Wade were living the Canadian hockey dream, playing together in the Western Hockey League, a stepping stone for many future NHL stars. Todd seemed to be destined to be one of them with his incredible speed, skill and indomitable spirit. He had already defied all odds to become the smallest player in the league. But after facing off against Sidney Crosby at the Canada Winter Games in 2003, that dream became a nightmare when Todd's mysterious shoulder pain led to a devastating cancer diagnosis. Within one year, he went from flying around the ice with the world's best players to needing help to cross the stage at his high school graduation. He went from fighting to become a professional hockey player to fighting for his life. The book is His Last Shift, the playbook of Todd Davison. The author is Wade Davison. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's great to meet you by uh, telephone. And Todd's story has inspired me since I first learned of it back in 04. In fact, we have several Believe in the Gold t-shirts in our house. So this is an honor, a genuine honor to connect with you, Wade. Tell us a little bit more about your younger brother away from the rink. Well, away from the rink, he was like the funniest kid growing up. Uh, just the abs- you know, Just brought love and joy to everyone around, family and friends. Uh, in school, he was kind of the class cat clown. Um, in the dress room, he was he was the team the team leader for laughter, and, and he was just a, a phenomenal person away from the rink. So you, you just heard about how good he was at hockey, but away from the rink, he just brought nothing but joy and love to the people around him. So that's off the ice, on the ice. You did play with him. What was that like? Because you know we all have love for our brothers. I've got two. Wade, but at the end of the day, there's sometimes competition, there's rivalry. So I'm curious, just what it was like to to, to be able to play with him. He was he was my ultimate competitor growing up. Uh, <laughs> right from when we were four or five years old, we were battling against each other on the outdoor rinks or in the basement playing mini sticks. Uh, but then when he, when we were in playing peewee, or at least it was my peewee year, he had the chance to be age advanced to be come onto quote my team. But he was so good, he just he fought his way onto the team and quickly became my teammate. And that was the first of one uh, one special season. We later played together, uh, made a triple A, and then we fought. Uh, 
make the Western Hockey League together, which was just an incredible feat in itself. And then beyond the Western League, uh, we ended up playing in the Alberta Junior Hockey League together. So we played several seasons together, which was really special. And uh, we played in the same line together, and we just had a really special bond on the rink. And that's kind of where our brotherly bond was cemented. I want to ask you a hockey question here because I've always had, you know, I've seen this uh, personally and from afar, this idea about little brothers trying to keep up with their big brother and, and how sometimes the little brother ends up being the better athlete. Yeah. Well, he, very quickly I realized that he was faster than me and he was more skilled than me. So uh, early on I had to realize that I had to do my best to keep up with him. So he was the one that was always pushing me, but uh, through through our competitions, we, we really pushed each other to success, and we had some great years together, but he was definitely the leader in skill, especially with hockey. So when it came to his hockey career, that was one thing, but it's what happened off the ice with him and you know the, the discovery that this, this injury that he thought he had was actually something else. Can you walk us a bit through how that went down in your family when you learned that this pain was so much more than um, just back pain? Yeah, it was, a, it was a shoulder pain that, that shoulder pain. Developed. Sorry, Todd. Uh, I, oh yeah, yeah, no worries at all. Um, so the Canada games, he was playing against Crosby, and he took a big hit in that game. And you know, he's such a small kid; everyone just kind of dismissed it as, "Oh, this is just a hockey injury." And like we said, we were, he was playing in the Western Hockey League at that time, which was just a league full of absolute beasts. So everyone kind of dismissed it. Um, but then fast forward to our next year at Regina's training camp, he was just having a really tough time. He was he wasn't quite as feisty self. And as the season progressed, uh, we ended up getting released from the pass due to a few different reasons, uh, mainly because he wasn't quite playing his own game. But later on that season, our mom, is an M- she was an MRI tech at the Health Sciences Center at the time. And she, you know, the, luckily there, a gap came in the schedule and she knew through her intuition that something deeper was going on. So she brought him into a scan and very quickly to, uh, determined that something very serious was happening. So uh, early on, she saw that the, the scan flare up. The radiologists were called in, and they realized how serious it was. So on the day of his high school graduation, a biopsy was performed, and within a few days, it was determined that he had a very a serious type of cancer called synovial sarcoma, which is very rare and very serious, and that started a, a very wild ride for our family. You know, Wade, we have to sort of jump ahead a little bit here because this part of the story is the, the inspiration for me and, and how I I learned about your brother and the work that was done in our community in Todd's last weeks, his last months of his life was to do something special for others. And I mentioned the Believe in the Goal Foundation. Just tell us about that endeavor in, in, in the last part of Todd's life. Yeah, so, so after going through all these treatments, and, and just it, it just wasn't looking good for him. He had career-ending ending surgery, and he could no longer play the game, but he wanted to find a way to be with the game but also give back to the community. So he started a foundation called Believe in the Goal, which brought together Manitoba's best players, NHL players, best junior players, and it was a, it was a major event. It was a cancer fundraising event. And uh, it, you know the first game was in South Manitoba. It eventually progressed after he passed to going into the MTS Center, but it was his way to give back, to raise money, because he knew the struggles that he was going through in the hospital, and he saw these younger kids that were facing cancer and what their families were going through, and his mission was to find a way to bring joy and alleviate the pain of what those kids were going through. So he did everything he could to rally together his, his, uh, all his friends, the best players around, to just to raise money. The foundation eventually raised uh, over $300,000 towards cancer care, uh, they built some phenomenal hospital rooms and specialty rooms in, in some Winnipeg hospitals and it would send kids to certain types of uh, you know, dream trips. They would go see their favorite hockey players across North America. So his mission was basically to leave the world a better place however he could. And through believing the goal, he left a major impact on the world. I'm curious, Wade, for you, you know, as you say that this is a book very much about your brother and his goal to leave the world a better place, and he did. For you, when you write this all down and when you put pen to paper, there's one thing to have the memories in your head, but then to try to share them with the rest of the world. I'm curious about that process and how that was for you and and how you found it in the end. Yeah, so Todd passed at 20 years old in 2006, and and shortly uh, in the next few years after he passed, I just started writing the book in my head. Hmm. And around 2012, 2013, I was was, uh, in law school at North Dakota at the time, and it was my mission that was given to me to, to tell Todd's story to the world. I knew how powerful it was. I saw it firsthand. 
but I knew the power that his story could convey. So mm-hmm. over the years, I just kept on chipping away. And the last 10 years, uh, a lot of, you know, just getting the words down, get, getting uh, all the stories down. And just, you know, over the last two years, especially, I, I put it all together, had it edited several times. And in April, uh, three months ago, I finally released it in, in a, a form that I think is a beautiful version of his life that tells his story through hockey, through his cancer, but also the journey towards his death. And I know that his story, the way, the way I've, I've told it, it, it brings laughter, it brings joy. It, it, will, it will tell the sad parts, but it also leave the reader with a gratitude for life, a gratitude for what they have today, and also just a, you know, a empowerment for how they can live their lives day by day um, mm-hmm. throughout the, the rest of their lives. Wade Davison played for the Regina Pats, Lloyd Minister Blazers, Vernon Vipers for a couple of years. I, I lived in Vernon for a couple of years. I know what that team means to that community. Wade, University of Manitoba Bisons for a couple of seasons, now back in North Dakota. This is just a wonderful book, a wonderful tribute. And, and I guess at the end of the day, it's not a bad thing to be uh, Todd Davison's big brother. Absolutely not. I was very honored to do it, and I, I just... You know, my, my mission was to tell his story, and I know how much it can impact people. So I really encourage anyone that's, that's looking for a good book that's going to really hit them in the heart to pick it up and give it a read. Um, beyond that, it's also available by audiobook if you're more of a listener. Uh, but I know, this, I know the power that it can convey, and I really hope that people can pick it up and, and check it out. Wade, thank you so much for your time and for sharing the story of your brother with all of us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I know the book is available online, but also with our friends at McNally Robinson, Mm -hmm. Wade Davison. Thank you for sharing this story with us. And uh, the book is a powerful, powerful story. And uh, I've had a hard enough time reading two two paragraphs on the air here. So... um, it's it's going to be an incredible read. And um, for those that were paying attention, we want to uh, reward you. World-renowned and Winnipegger. This is the tie-in here. Renowned worldwide award-winning illusionist Darcy Oak bringing two shows to the Burton Cummings Theatre. He's kicking off his tour here at home Friday, October 21st, Saturday, October 22nd. Tickets for both shows go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., they start at forty nine fifty, and you can go to Ticketmaster.ca for that. The first caller who can tell Jeff Forche the name of Todd Davison's foundation gets to see Darcy Oak. Compliments of us here at six eighty CJOB. The book one more time: The Last Shift, the playbook of Todd Davison, is available in paperback.